1: Welcome back to Sunday Civics, everyone. I am your host and your civics teacher and your neighborhood political strategist, Eljoy Williams. And welcome back. After, you know, some vacation time, I did, let's see, did the beach, did roller skating, moving into my new house, I did all of the things. And if you follow me on Twitter at Eljoy Williams, you will see all of the things that I did over my little summer break. But we didn't leave you hanging. We also had repeats. That broaden the conversation of who we elect, focusing on those other positions, those other races down the ballot, other than president, other than governor, other than mayor, and others, particularly local, that we elect across the country. And I'm really excited about today's conversation because one of the positions that we elect, and it's different in different parts of the country, some states. You know, the primary for this position is separate. Some states, they run together with the governor. And I have somebody to talk about, lieutenant governors. He is Roshan Patel. He serves as the executive director of the Democratic Lieutenant Governors Association, which was founded in 2018, just recently. And in this role, he is in charge of all of the fundraising, the political, the communications. Basically, they have him doing all of the jobs. But he's doing all of the jobs necessary in order to elect lieutenant governors across the country. Welcome to the show for the very first time, Roshan Patel. Hey there! Thanks
0: so much, Joy. Great to be with you. I'm a big fan.
1: So you're doing all of the jobs at. Well, we've got a great team. Let, let, let,
0: you know, I'm the I serve as the executive director. Um. At, so, uh, but we've got a great team of 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 um of folks that help us kind of get. the end mission, which is to elect more uh, Democratic lieutenant governors across the country.
1: Yeah. So
0: we... uh,
1: Go ahead, yeah, tell us more uh, about it. Yeah,
0: as you mentioned, you know, the the organization's relatively new, um, which is probably a bit of a head-scratcher. If you look at the other major political committees around um, around the country, whether it's the DSCC, the DCCC, the Democratic Governors Association, and of course our counterparts on the Republican side, uh, you know, those are, main, those are mainstays. Uh, they've been around. Um, they have huge organizations. They raise tons of money and they, they deploy that ca- capital all around the country. Um, what happened uh, in 2018 um, was Democratic lieutenant governors were, were looking around and, and sort of scratching their heads and that uh, the Republicans had a concerted effort um, to spend money on behalf of races, on behalf of their candidates, but we didn't. 2016, Donald Trump gets elected. Um, the party, I think, if you will, was looking around, talking about building the bench, focusing a little bit more on the down ballot. Uh, Trump uh, appointed a lot of governors uh, to his cabinet, uh, which meant a lot of Republican lieutenant governors became governor. And I think that sort of piqued the interest of some of the Democratic LGs uh, around the country. And then in 2017, uh, in Virginia, a big election after the presidential uh, the we saw the Republicans spend almost two million dollars against our candidate for LG, and that was sort of the the straw that broke the camel's back. And the LG is organized, and we we put this effort together ninety days before the election in twenty eighteen.
1: Roshan, we are always late, but we're not going gonna to focus on that um, too much because I have a lot to bring in in this conversation. But I want to backtrack a bit because you have been active yourself for a long time. And so since this is your first time in front of the class, I want you to share with us what your first civic action was. Sure. Um, I would
0: say, uh, I, you know, I've been politically interested for a long time. Uh, my my, parent, my parents immigrated from India in 1970. Uh, my dad was born in 1943. Uh, and I say that, um, uh, because, uh, his dad, my grandfather was very civic and and politically active in in India, um, in, in India's fight for independence from, from Britain. And, um, so I kind of think it's in our blood. Uh, my grandfather was, uh, what the government deemed a freedom fighter. So uh, those peaceful protesters that you see read about and in, in, in documentaries of, he was one of them. As a matter of fact, uh, two different instances, my grandfather uh, shared a jail cell with Gandhi at a peaceful protest. Uh, and in one of those instances, my grandfather took my dad, then just a little boy uh, to one of the protests and uh, sit-ins and um, Gandhi was going around and shaking hands of all of his, all of the, 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 the fight supporters and um, leaned over, gave my dad a kiss on his forehead as a little baby. And so I kind of grew up hearing about stories like that. So have always been politically interested because of that. Uh, not necessarily Democrat or Republican at a very young age, but just uh, we'd watch the news together and debates with, you know, watch debates with my dad and, and my parents, my mom and dad uh, and brothers. Um, I guess my first civic action, and this is a, uh, this is swimming upstream. I went to. I grew up in Mississippi. Uh, I went to Mississippi State, uh, pretty conservative school, but a great school in a great state and a great hometown of Forest, Mississippi. But I was probably one of the few Democrats running around campus. Um, and I guess, uh, and that was um, in in twenty. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, in um, 2000, my first uh, uh, election to vote in. Uh, I was um, I was 20 years old. I put a Gore Lieberman. Uh, yard side in 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 my apartment's front little front yard area, and that got a lot of looks, um, a lot of sneers. Uh, but that was sort of my first, I guess, outward um, uh, uh, foray into into civics and in politics.
1: I love that story, and I have so many questions. First of all, you know, one of the pieces that we say on the show all the time. I think we did a show on this. June will have to remind me on how to determine your political values right and so given that you went to mississippi state you are in the southern sea of republicans how did you determine your political values and that you were democrat in a sea of republicans sure you know i
0: i mean i was a big history buff kind of growing up in, in in middle school and high school so i loved history we covered a lot during the civil rights uh era a lot a lot during that movement um martin luther king jr obviously kennedy lbj just sort of all of that um i grew up in a town of of, of a very diverse town um uh you know it was almost 50% white 50% african american then you had the five indians uh uh my my, my family um and We just sort of had a great, great teachers that sort of laid out the case. And you can imagine that, um, you know, not being in a small town in Mississippi, most folks sort of leaned Republican or a little bit more conservative. But, um, you know, we had just really good teachers. And I think sort of learning about that fight for civil rights um, was probably the biggest eye opening um, sort of education that, that, that I learned. And then I think if you fast forward or, or, or revert back to uh, the fight for independence in India, it sort of followed its trajectory. I like to say Democrats have always been on the right side of history. And, um, and I think that's still the case. And, and so maybe I jumped on the bandwagon. Maybe it wasn't even that brave. Maybe I just felt like that was the winning team.
1: I love that. I love that because, I mean, you made a conscious decision, right? There's information you're receiving, you're amongst peers, there's lots of information, whether it's from teachers, whether it's from history, others, but you then made a conscious decision in terms of what your values are, even if it wasn't part of the <laughs> the norm in terms of where, where you are. So let's talk a bit about leading up Lieutenant Governors Association. Let's talk a bit about what a lieutenant governor's responsibility is. Because as I mentioned in the upfront, in some states, uh, particularly in primaries, they run separately than the Democratic candidate for governor. And in other places, they don't. And then some of them, even when you get to the general, right, like there can be this contentious situation, or it can be yes, we're running as a ticket. So oh, yeah. let, let's start from the beginning in terms of what a lieutenant governor does, recognizing it's different, you know, across sure. the country, but then also how they can appear on a ballot.
0: So um, I I like to say we like to say no lieutenant governor is created equally because it it is it really is a mixed bag. Um, Joy, I'll I'll tell you, uh, as in 2018, as we started putting this effort together, just doing the math on sort of how many LGs there are, uh, how they get elected, whether they run as a ticket or independently. I needed a cheat sheet just (laughs) um, just to make sure that I. Uh, Had my talking points correctly, so if it's okay, I'll do sort of a a thirty thousand foot view of it, and and then maybe we can dive in a little bit. So, uh, because you're right, a lot of folks don't know what their LG does. In a lot of cases, a lot of don't, a lot of people don't know who their LG is, and we really are trying to change that. Um, So there are forty three lieutenant governors around the country. Uh, So there are you know seven states with no lieutenant governor. Um, Three of those states. Uh, the Secretary of State is actually the second in command. So in the case of a vacancy um, of the governor, let's take Oregon as a good example. Um, John Kitzhaber was the governor back in 2015. He left office midterm. Kate Brown, the sitting governor, was Secretary of State. She ascended to the top and, and, and and, and, and became governor. So three states have a Secretary of State. Four states have the Senate president as uh, the second in command. So what you see in these state constitutions is even though they don't have a lieutenant governor by title, they have a lieutenant governor um, uh, in action. So in the case of a vacancy or if the governor leaves the state. Um, in the 43 other states, Joy, they're their lieutenant governors. And uh, 20, uh, 27 of those lieutenant governors run as a ticket. Um, I think I'm doing my math right. Check me if I'm wrong. And 16 of them run independently. So um, in the case of new, let's take t- this year's elections. We've got two elections this year, New Jersey and Virginia. Um, in New Jersey, Governor Murphy uh, picked his running re- running mate, L- Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver, and they held hands together, got through the primary and they, and, and, and they're, they're going to be in the general election on the ticket together. Virginia is very opposite. Um, the governor and the Lieutenant governor run separate of each other. So you, and you could have uh, an example or a instance in, in which um, uh, the governor and the Lieutenant governor are elected uh, uh, from a different party. Uh, we obviously hope that's not the case. Uh, we are very much fighting to make sure that Democrats get elected up and down the ticket. But you do have that in Vermont. You have a Republican governor and a Democratic lieutenant governor. Uh, you have that in North Carolina. You have a Democratic governor, a Republican lieutenant governor, and even in Louisiana, a very red state, but we've got John Bell Edwards, the Democratic governor, uh, and he has a Republican lieutenant governor. So it's very tricky when it comes to cases where the governor may leave the state who has authorship or penmanship on what's happening. So you've got to kind of play those political uh, and policy dynamics. Um, Mm. uh, So it's interesting.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned here in 2021, there are two elections, but leading into 2022 where we have over 40 states that will be having gubernatorial elections. There's also 30 lieutenant governor's races happening in 2022. And that's going to be a, transformational year. I know folks like to focus a lot on the presidential, right? But I'm always a focus. And we we have a new t-shirt this season called Get Local, Uh, right? Just to focus on that, right? Because a lot of the battleground happens in the states. So let's fast forward to 2022. What do we have? We have redistricting. We have midterms. We have governor's races, lieutenant governor's races, all of that happening. And who's making the decision on who's voting? As we see in all of these bills that are happening across (laughs) state legislatures, right? It's the state legislature and its governors signing it. (laughs) You know, our lieutenant governors backing them up and Mm -hmm. going crisscrossing states in support or in opposition of these things. And so, as we're setting up, as you mentioned, this organization to really focus on electing democrats and you know i'll I'll always do my outreach to republicans there's very few republicans that want to come on the show i don't understand why mm-hmm. i identify as democrat doesn't mean that you should you know only democrats join the show but you know w- what is the focus going into that huge transformational 2022
0: so it's a a great question and and you almost just gave me the heebie-jeebies as we talk about all the, all the implications that, that uh, are coming about in 2022. Let can I, there's, so here's a great example of the important, and we'll talk about the races, but the importance of down ballot, not just Lieutenant Governors, um, uh, Joy, because, you know, obviously I'm a partial, but, you know, I think Lieutenant Governors are very important, but, you, you know, you talk about these sort of uh, voter suppression bills that you're seeing all around the country um, this anti-LGBTQ legislation that's going on all around the country. Um, this is led by state legislators, um, and, and and so not just down ballot statewide, but uh, in the district. So I, I agree with you, and 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 I, it, you know, let's get local because it's it's very important. It. it when when Governor Northam in in, uh, in Virginia, when Virginia won uh, in the 17 election, when they the legislature passed Medicaid expansion in the state legislature, it was a Democratic lieutenant governor that was the tie breaking vote four times to get Medicaid expansion passed. It was a 50 50 uh, tie. And the lieutenant it went to the lieutenant governor who presides over the Senate. Uh, went to the lieutenant governor who was the tie-breaking vote to get 500,000 Virginians access to health care. That's why we think lieutenant governors are very, very important because you can dial it down to a very granular policy proposal or idea or legislation. And if a Republican were to be in that seat, 500,000 uh, fewer Virginians would have access to health care. So Amen to that. Um, amen to that. Um, but there, you're right. There's a lot happening. Um, we know um, we saw the election just coming off the hills in 2020, the big presidential election. We know history always shows uh, or has shown that the midterm election is never or is rarely good for the party in power, save for um, FDR and George uh, W. Bush after 9-11. Uh, so FDR, the great president. So we, we've seen that um, uh, uh, historically the midterm elections are, are, are not great for, for the party in power. I, I, I personally think that the Biden administration uh, is doing an incredible job, a bang up job and all the work that they're doing right now. His numbers are good across the country. Um, but you have to anticipate uh, maybe an environment that's not going to be great for, for, for Democrats. So uh, what, what we're doing is we're putting resources in a lot of states. We're recruiting candidates where we have to. Um, we are, uh, uh, doing a lot of research and polling on sort of what we think the electorate's going to care about, uh, in, in, you know, in 2022. So a lot of our effort for next year, Joy, for 2022, we're actually doing a lot of that work today. And this year, as we head into not just this November, uh, where we have those two elections that I mentioned, but obviously as we head into, uh, next year where there's a lot at stake.
1: Roshan, when we come back, I'm going to take a quick break. I want to talk a bit about the connection and the collaboration that states have with the federal government, and particularly as you know, one of the pieces I mentioned going into next year or that a number of states are dealing with at this current moment is economic recovery post-COVID. It's why a number of governors and others are hesitant about mask mandates and closing down again and things of that nature because states lost so much money during that time. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts and uh, as we move on to that conversation when we come back on the other side of the break. All the problems, all the things that you think that you must do to start in this world. Like when the teacher, school boy, and schoolgirl come together. Who is the teacher? I go let you know. Who is the teacher? I go let you know. Welcome back to Sunday Civics. I am here with Roshan Patel, who is the head of the Democratic Lieutenant Governors Association a yeah. newbie in these streets a newbie in these political streets okay first real quick why are we so late with this what i, I don't understand you know it it, it is I, I, i'd like to say we you know look as you
0: here we I'm a member of a disorganized party called the Democratic Party i mean you know i just think that it's just taken uh, sometimes you have to learn, uh, get, you know, maybe getting kicked around a little bit to, to wake up, to kind of get this, you know, get efforts like this. Not not just this one, but other efforts. Republicans have done a very good job of focusing their efforts at the state level, uh, primarily governor, right? Because we know the importance of governors all around the country. Um, and, and if you look at a lot of their uh, sort of leaders, um, they came from governors. I mean, historically speaking, governors get elected president. Um, you know, K- Kennedy, uh, obviously came from the Senate, obviously, uh, Obama came from the Senate and, 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 Joe Biden came from the Senate and then the seat. But, but if you go on back, I'll, I mean, governors have historically been, uh, been elected, uh, president. And, um, and by the way, there've been two, um, uh, presidents that were that were formerly their 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 state's lieutenant governor, but um, so we we have sort of a reach into the White House too as LGs. I, I'm not sure, um, but as you said, I, I think we can only uh, uh, move forward and 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 do what we have. I will say this: uh, the the DNC last year under Tom Perez or last cycle, excuse me, under Tom Perez, the 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 Democratic Party under uh, Chair Jamie, Jamie Harrison, they they get it. They are focused. They are putting resources in the states. They are making sure that sister committees like us get together and are organized and working on the same things and not uh, uh, not duplicating efforts and overlapping. So um, the, it was a quick change. I can tell you that. And I feel like everybody has an oar in the water to make sure that uh, we take care of uh, we take care of our down ballot.
1: Well, great. So just before the break, I talked about states are facing huge challenges, particularly as it pertains to COVID recovery. There's the healthcare challenge. There's the economic recovery that states have post-COVID. And it's part of the reason I'm reading between the lines. Yeah, there's the partis extreme partisanship, right, that exists and different governors are taking different approaches as it pertains to the health and safety of their residents. But I'm also reading that people are hesitant about closing, about mask mandates and things of that nature because of the huge economic loss that states saw during the complete shutdown and I'm not one for advocating should we shut down again or not like I think it's complicated in that sense and if you have a government a federal government that may not bail out everybody again what does that mean for some states because we know that the largest budget items for a number of states are what education healthcare. this being hit hard you know, there's so many different, compli- you know, complications that you have to think about during that time. How do states, governors, lieutenant governors, how does this federal and state level engagement work together to make decisions such as this?
0: Well, I, you know, I think since the Biden administration has taken over, the, uh, the, the collaborative efforts between the federal government and state governments around the country i have heard it a million times both from mostly democrats but i i know i've heard republicans say this too that the collaboration on federal help and 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 working together with states um, both on the economic recovery but also on the from the, from a healthcare perspective of covid has been very different since january 20 or twenty-one when President Biden got sworn in. Sorry, I should know that. But um so I, I think that um the president and, and this administration is sort of seen as a cavalry coming over the hill uh to get these states back uh back, back in order. Um, you know, we saw that when the President Biden and the Biden administration took over the sort of vaccine the vaccine rollout and distribution, it was they got handed an empty bag. I mean there was there was no plan. There was nothing. Um, so, Democrats, I think, look at healthcare recovery parallel to an economic recovery. You know, the more shots that we're able to get into arms, the uh, the safer we keep our citizens. The more we're going to be able to open these businesses and uh, restaurants and 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 gyms and 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 get folks back to work. So, I think because Democrats, at least this administration, led with sort of a healthcare view to keep people safe. Uh, that has allowed states to open up more quickly, and uh, and and get quick, you know, get the economic recovery moving a little quicker. Now, of course, ARP and 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 what's, what the federal stimulus is obviously very helpful, joy in um, uh, in in helping these states um, um, fill some of these budget gaps, but generally, right now, and surprisingly so. Um, state budgets right now are doing pretty well. The economic recovery is sort of kicked into gear. I mean, if, yeah, I don't I don't know if you've looked at booking a flight somewhere, but, you know, air, flights are, you know, are, are, are tough to book. I mean, hotels are booked. I mean, the, the economy is, is, is definitely moving. And, 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 and obviously we're watching this Delta variant and, and what that does. Um, but Democrats have always said, if you trust the science, believe in the science, um, uh, it'll get our states and our country moving in the right direction. So I think we have to, you know, we have to do that. We've we preached it for a long time when uh, during the previous administration. So I think we have to kind of kind of stick to that. And and you're seeing, you, you know, you're seeing Democratic governors do that for sure.
1: Definitely. I think, you know, obviously, as like you mentioned, the Delta variant is giving people, you know, because it was so, it wasn't that far ago. It wasn't that long ago that like all of us were in our houses and shut down and, you know, massed up and didn't leave our houses. And so I feel like a lot of people are shell-shocked, you know, about that time and, you know, definitely as variants and other things hit. And, I, you know, I do feel for these state leaders that have to make these decisions to keep people safe. You know, it can't just be individual decisions and, you know, it's up to you what you decide. It has a greater, larger impact on the rest of the world based upon whether or not people can get vaccinated, people can stay healthy, stay alive and engaged in addition to the economy, which also then has effect as it pertains to housing, as it pertains to rent relief, as it pertains to you having a job, right? So like all of these things are interconnected and I think we're not having the holistic conversation, we're having the you know, singular conversation as if human beings are not capable of juggling all of those things at the same time, Roshan. That, you know, and and you tell me your perspective on this in, in politics in general. We we're taught as staffers, as political consultants and others, that voters can't, you can't give them too much information at one time, right? Like you have to give them, here's the, you know, here is the outlay, here is the plan that they can't co- possibly comprehend all of the interplay and things like that. I, I don't know your, your thoughts and your feeling on that, but I'm just like, but I felt like we were more advanced of life in <laughs> why, why can't we handle these multiple things at one time are we not better than these other animals what is happening
0: <laughs> yeah take a voter for granted at your peril is what I would say you know uh, absolutely I mean you know I'm uh, I have a a 14 month old uh, little boy so we had a baby uh, last May so a couple of months after, after the pandemic really got kicked off um, and you know, luckily we didn't have to worry about school. We didn't have to worry about uh, daycare and, and, and things like that. We were at home with the newborn. So, um, but if you ask a parent or parents of a six, seven, eight, nine-year-old and, 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 you know, that, that family, you know, typically drops off the kid or the kid, you know, their children go to school, all of a sudden that's upended. Um, And then it affects how that, that, Parent may be, may or may not be able to go to work, uh, or may or may not be able to then uh, figure out how they're going to, you know, get groceries. I mean, you you know, I I think voters are way more uh, sophisticated. Um, And I think that they absolutely understand sort of what is happening today and obviously what happened over the past 16 months to also, as we get through this, you know, as we're schools start to reopen and. Um, all that I, I, they they can absolutely juggle it. I, I think our look. If you look at approval numbers, if you look at approval numbers of governors and state state elected, so governors, lieutenant governors around the country, Democrat or Republican, they're very high. If you compare that to when President Trump ran for re-election and his approval number, it was very low. So voters see their state elected officials, governor, lieutenant governor very favorably and positively right now um, because of the leadership that they had to take when the when the pandemic first when the pandemic first hit Uh, and that's going to play a role in the 2022 elections as well um, because obviously this still is going to be a part of the narrative
1: do you know part of there's a difference right between what we want our congressional member or state legislature council member to do when you're part of a body, right? When you have to get along, where you have to pass legislation, you have to do deals and things like that versus the governor, the mayor, you know, the county executive. I feel like at, at our core, we voters may not have the language for executive level, you know, official and, you know, things like that, but they know very at their core, there's a difference that what I want for my governor, lieutenant governor, my state, that I want them to run things correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I want, you know, the, the utilities to run, I want the, the roads to be a certain way, I want garbage picked up, right? So they're <laughs> very clear about, you know, you may get you definitely get calls of people calling their congressional member about trash pickup, right? Like you get that kind of stuff. But for the most part, approval ratings and things for state legis for state level, and those who actually participate in local elections, is because they want things to run effectively. When I step out beside my house, I want like I want and everything connected to my house. I want things to work correctly and I know who's responsible for it. I know who I'm shaking my fist at. Is that the sense that you get from voters as it pertains to those those kind of positions?
0: It's it's the difference between governing and legislating. If a governor wants to make sure your mayor wants to make sure the potholes are filled, the trash is picked up. If he or she has to do it themselves, they'll get out and do it. You just don't have that in a legislative body. You know, when you come to DC, um, uh, it's just different. And it's how the founders, you know, it's how the founders, you know, built, built it and built the democracy. So it, I think, yes. I mean, the, 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 and it's in some cases, it's why you have uh, in Kansas right now, you have a Democratic governor, lieutenant governor. And of course, Everybody else in Washington, D.C., is a that represents the state, by and large, is heavily Republican. Um, you have a Democratic governor in a very ruby red Louisiana. Um, it's because they, uh, part of it is they were tired of Jindal's little experiment, uh, Bobby Jindal's experiment for eight years. But they said, well, we need to get the state back up and running. And, and they were OK voting for a Democrat. Even though it's a pretty Republican state. So, yes, folks, uh, voters very much view their their local, if you will, uh, uh, officials very different than how they view when they when they send people to Washington, D.C.
1: Listen, I always say if I ever run for office, it'll be local, and I will focus on the basics. Just, you it. know, like I just fo- <laughs> like I'll focus on the basics. I'm like, do the buses run on time? <laughs> Is there, you know, street? I was like, if you could just do a whole campaign focus on that, people, I don't care if you're a Republican, Libertarian, like what, like it doesn't matter. People are like, oh, I can go outside my house, and I can, you know not get my tire blown out because of mm-hmm. I don't care how she did it all I know is that she promised and she gonna do it mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, gonna right. I'm gonna vote for her <laughs> so <laughs> when we come back I want to talk about some of the lieutenant governors whether they be candidates or lieutenant governors Lieutenant Governors currently, that we should be out on the lookout for, because people are always looking for who the next Obama is, who the next, you know, who's the, who's going to be a president in the next 10 years that we should hitch our ride to now, that we should give $10 to now, (laughs) Roshan, um, so we can say that we were at the beginning. So we're going to take our last (laughs) break, and then you're going to give us some cues of people that we should get on the ground floor with. We'll be right back. Awesome. How can it be? Okay, Roshan. So I am interested in supporting the next lieutenant governor of some random state that is, you know, warm, you know, warming up on the pinch, very e- excitable and engaging, and could possibly be going places, not only in the party, but for this country. I want to get in on the ground floor. I'm gonna host a fundraiser. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my little $10. June's going to do a little fish fry. We're going to support them. <laughs> Who are these people that we should be looking at?
0: I'm going to June's fish fry, by the way. I'm, the, <laughs> I'm in. RSVP number one. Um, Well, listen, you're going to get me in trouble uh, uh, unless I name all 25 Democratic lieutenant governors. But I, because I, I really do think that they're all amazing. Joy, we have. We are the most diverse. Caucus of elected officials, statewide elected officials in the country. If you look at the, which I think is 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 part of the organization's strength, but also mirrors the strength of the party itself. Um, and I, whenever you hear any of our lieutenant governors speaking, the first thing that they'll say is the reason we're strong and 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 a, a group that that's that's you know that's going to be reckoned with is, 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 is because, because of its, of it's diversity, but I'll, I'll name a couple just because it's uh, politically expedient right now with the current times that are, uh, that, that are moving. We, we have three um, sitting Lieutenant Governors or second in commands, as we refer to them uh, around the country that are running for, 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 for uh, that are leaving their seat as Lieutenant Governor running for office, John Fetterman, in Pennsylvania, the Lieutenant Governor um, of, of Pennsylvania is running for the open Senate seat that Pat Toomey is leaving behind. So um, if you're going to, and Pennsylvania, as we know, is a very, very important state for us politically. Um, watch John Fetterman as he navigates through that primary. We've got to hold on to that seat if we want to keep a majority um, uh, in, uh, in the Senate. Um, Mandela Barnes, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, uh, the youngest lieutenant governor in the country, um, was elected at 31 statewide, if you can't even believe that. Um, uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes uh, uh, just jumped into the Senate race against Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson is a disaster, um, to put it kindly. Uh, We absolutely need to continue to hold on or pick up seats if we want to just keep our majority and grow our majority. So watch Mandela Barnes, and the primary that he's running uh, in Wisconsin. And you probably are very familiar with this name, Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State in Arizona. Now you're saying, wait a minute, Secretary of State, we're talking about Lieutenant Governors. Remember there there are some states with with no Lieutenant Governor, seven states with no Lieutenant Governor, where the Secretary of State is the state's second in command. Um, As a matter of fact, four out of the last seven Governors of Arizona uh, were previously the state's secretary of state. So it's a great launching pad. Katie Hobbs, a, if you remember the 2020 election and, and Stop the Steal and all that, uh, uh, all those shenanigans sh- 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 that the Republicans were pushing, uh, it was Katie Hobbs that was pushing back and all that. So watch her. And I, I've, I've, you know, she's running for governor, if I, if I didn't clarify, she's running for governor in, in, in a primary uh, for 2022. You know, our chair, Lieutenant Governor, Uh, We have a very diverse executive committee. Our chair is the uh, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist of of Michigan. Um, We also have executive committee members from California to Nevada to Connecticut. We have a great uh, we have a great list of up and coming seven of up and coming elected officials. 17 sitting governors around the country were previously their state's lieutenant governor. It's a pretty good number.
1: I like that. I like that. That seems like a, a, a good bench to have that. I feel like we can work with that. <laughs> you know, at, you know, as usual, I'm always looking for more black women, but that's cool. You know, like I can, I we, we have time to sort of warm, you know, make some space on the bench for that. Well, Sheila elect-
0: Oliver is going to run for re-election in New Jersey. Juliana Stratton's up for re-election in Illinois. She is the, Juliana Stratton, is the leading voice around the country on Alzheimer's issues. Think about that around the country. She is a leading voice in making sure not just care to patients, but also care to caregivers. I mean, she is a real up and comer, um, uh, really smart. Um, we've, we've uh, you know, we have, uh, we have uh, Howie Morales and, 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 and um uh, in New Mexico, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham and Howard Morales are is the only state go- that has a Hispanic governor and lieutenant governor. They're Democrats. I mean we we will talk diversity all day long uh, because we have it all over the country, which we're very very proud of.
1: Well, and I know I was just in. Where was I with Ayana? No, not Ayana. H- Hala. Yeah, Hala yeah. Ayala. Yeah. <laughs> like again, Ayana Halla Anna <laughs> It's like wait Ayana well, is the congresswoman okay yes <laughs> so, so there, the
0: the race in Virginia as we is is incredibly important on a number of of it for a number of reasons and we we all know that uh, electorally and politically and from a policy perspective um but to take it one step further if if Hala gets elected uh which we think she will she's running a great campaign she's a great candidate Uh, She is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Um, If she gets elected, she will be the first person of color, uh, woman, woman, person of color elected statewide in the state of, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Um, You talk about making a statement. Um,
1: That's a big statement. Yeah, I definitely, I, I did some door, I dusted off my field, chops and went out and door knocked. Jesus, that was a long time ago. (laughs) But I have, like you, done so many things in politics. I've door knocked, I've done field work, I've done, you know, now doing sort of general GC work, general consultant and, you know, strategy piece. But in order to get to the strategy piece, you got to do all the other positions. So you know how all of them work together and engage together. And every now and then, there are a couple of times where I believe in candidates so much that I will go door knocking again. <sighs> like if I'm door knocker for you, I really believe in you. I just want you to say that. I just want you to know that. Like if I'm door knocking.
0: <laughs> just go somewhere warm because, you know, November can be cold. So make That's sure it's enough. somewhere warm.
1: Yes, definitely. Well, you know, I want to thank you so very much for making uh, time this to to join us to talk more about lieutenant governors, to talk about those down ballot let's get local races that do mean so much. Not just because they are they can be stepping stones to other things, but because they occupy in that position and in that state and in those areas, they do serve a really important function, not just a stepping stone to somewhere else. You've mentioned there are a number of instances where who was occupying the Lieutenant Governor's seat made a difference in people's lives. And so I want to thank you for stepping up and joining us here on Sunday Civics to talk more about that. Now, what are some marching orders if you would give our listeners some homework? What is some homework you would give our listeners since you're at the front of the class about supporting Lieutenant governor? Governors, or even holding lieutenant governors accountable since they appear on the ballot.
0: Absolutely. Well, number one, vote, uh, and and if you're not registered to vote, please go register. It's incredibly important. Um, it is uh, it is essential. Uh, so go register, and if uh, and, and make sure to vote in November if you have an election uh, coming your way this November. If not, next next November. Um, as far as lieutenant governors, look up who your lieutenant governor is. See what's what their what their responsib- responsibilities uh, include uh, constitutionally, but also the things that they're taking on. They're very accessible. Um, lieutenant governors in many cases don't have the security detail or the drivers or their staff to the to the hill. I mean, they are a lot um, they are a lot more accessible, uh, and it's a great way to learn about. Them, but also to learn about what your states, uh, what your states focusing on. So please uh, check out who your lieutenant governor is, and 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 go out and, uh, in some cases, uh, meet them if you can. Um, uh, they are very accessible and would love to be able to do that. Um, and 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 Joy, I don't think I told you, but uh, in my hometown of Forest, Mississippi, five thousand people in the very very center of the state uh, has a great mayor named Nancy Chambers. Nancy Chambers was the high school civics teacher <laughs> and left and ran for mayor and has been mayor for a number of years. So thank you to you and what you're doing and bringing different people of different backgrounds together to talk about sort of their view of the world. Um, I learned a lot listening to your show. I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, and I think we just need to have... More and more opportunities like this. So thank you for for leading the charge on that.
1: No problem, and thank you so very much. Now I'm going to have to find Miss Nancy Tabor and have her on. The show. Oh, ah, this is going to be amazing. June, get on that. so we can have her on. But thank you so very much for taking the time to join us. And we will certainly take that homework. My listeners are very active and they will be reaching out to their Lieutenant Governors, finding out a little bit more about their responsibilities here, whether in their respective states here in New York, you're in Pennsylvania, you're in Virginia. As we mentioned, there's a race going on right now. So we look forward to people being engaged and active Thanks to all of you for joining us. We'll be back with more Sunday Civics next Sunday.